0: Rockheads, Crank up the old Franklin stove and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 481 with guest Martin Woodward, recorded live Monday, March 9th, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who says, Gentlemen, start your search engines, Carl Franklin.
1: Thank you very much. This is Carl Franklin. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. We're going to roll a previously recorded show that we did with Martin Woodward on Team System, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening, and thanks for being such a great fan, and we'll catch up with you soon. Hey, uh, Richard, let's introduce our guest, Martin Woodward. Martin is back again. He is a senior software engineer at TeamPrize and a Team System MVP, and by day, he works as a Java developer, providing the cross-platform and Eclipse integrations to Team Foundation Server. By night... He hangs out in the team system communities and helps out with his local .NET user groups in Northern Ireland. Being a part of the only team outside of Microsoft to write a full client to Team Foundation Server, Martin has a unique understanding into the inner workings of the product, which he likes to bore people with whenever possible. And I didn't write this. When he's not talking or propping up a bar, again, I did not write this, you can find him over on his blog at woodwardweb.com dot com w-o-o-d w-a-r-d w-e-b dot com welcome back martin thanks
2: guys thanks for having me on again
1: that is a pretty clever bio but it makes it makes it sound like i'm insulting you man
2: (laughs) well yeah there we go makes a change
1: all right that's all good how have you been
2: Very good, yeah. I've um, been busy. We've just, uh, I mean, as we're recording this now, uh, we're we're just back from the MVP Summit, which is, you know, a hectic week of of talking to people and going out in the evenings. And then um, we're currently doing some work, um, as we'll talk about in a minute. I do um, (laughs) the interoperability work, so the cross platform client to to Visual Studio. And obviously, Microsoft are busy working on their next version as we speak. So uh, we've been busy working with them for the past uh, week and a half, just making sure we know what has to be done so that we can be ready. when, when, When they ship their next version, we can have our version ready and waiting.
3: And I've heard that the team system guys totally sequestered the MVPs for the duration. Like, you guys had lunch brought in. You weren't allowed out of the room.
2: We had literally zero breaks. If you, if you, you know, if you needed the if you needed the toilet or anything, you just had to like miss some of the session because it was back to back meetings. Yeah, it was intense. It was good. Even we even um, got together like ourselves. You know, just the MVPs on the Sunday because um, you know how we have like a keynote and things, but mostly the, the Sunday day of the MVP. You know, just get registered and get settled in and recover from jet lag. Not for the team system MVPs. We all foolishly decided to to get together in a room and we did, um, you know, like shared projects and things. I talked about projects we'd worked on and, and, you know, some tips and best practices for the other MVPs in the group so that we could all, you know, get together. Because often you're just getting information from Microsoft during the MVP summit and we wanted a day where we could just share information between ourselves. So, yeah, we did that on the Sunday and then followed by three intense days, you know, in a room in a team system. Guys, man, my brain's fried.
1: I bet. So, the last time you were on .NET Rocks was show 373, September 2nd, last year, when Team foundation server 2008 had just come out and we were talking about all the goodness within now that people have had a chance to use it what's the word on the street uh, about it
2: yeah I mean it's definitely been um, you know a traditional Microsoft v2 release it's a good consolidation release and everything's you know, been proving to be very stable, and hugely scalable, and um, yeah, no, I think people have been really happy with the features that have come out, especially the um, you know the Team Build, the new features in Build Automation. Mm-hmm. They're just fantastic, and people have really, really adopted that. And you know, it's actually helped with um, MS Build adoption. Quite a lot of people have been getting into MS Build because of the, uh, the the fact that Team Build makes it so easy to automate builds. So no, it's all goodness.
1: And it's not just about .NET, right? I mean, Team Foundation Server is really a server in the true sense of the word, isn't it? Totally.
2: I mean, team. I mean, yeah. Team Foundation Server just just doesn't care, you know. It its code, as far as Team Foundation Server is concerned, um, where that code comes from, what, what religion the person checking in that code happens to belong to, TFS doesn't mind. Um, so, just so every you know, the the uh, listeners know, I, I work for a company called uh, TeamPrize, and. and we do the we work with Microsoft to do the cross-platform client for Team Foundation Server, the one that you know that runs on the Mac and Linux and Unix and all those sorts of crazy platforms. And um, yeah, it it just doesn't care. It just treats it as source. And an advantage of having um, the whole enterprise, you know, using Team Foundation Server, it's all in one place now all these facts are stored in a single repository. Um, And so you can now start to report, you know, across the different teams. So um, if you think of a typical company, a typical company does not have 100% .NET development, you know, despite what Microsoft might like. Um, You know, they have a bit of everything in-house. The computers have been around for ages. If it's broke, let's not fix it. So, um, you know, a typical requirement might touch, say, uh, an ASP front end and, you know, Java middleware and maybe even a mainframe at at the back end. And that's one requirement. You want to track that single requirement and see how much it costs to implement the features across all those areas. How many bugs we get in a particular area? You know, do we get more bugs in the Java side versus the .NET side, or vice versa? You know what I mean? You yeah. can track all this stuff across your whole enterprise, not not just .NET developers.
1: So you do, do uh, you do the Java sort of uh, migration implementation? Now, what is that? Uh, what does that entail? And do, does that work fine with the tools that everybody is already using? In the .NET space, how does that work exactly?
2: It's a good question. Yeah, we do. Um, we do a few different clients, and. Um we do a, an Eclipse plugin, so you know Java developers, and um, a lot of them are using Eclipse-based IDEs. So that includes things like Rational Application Developer, or even things like um, Adobe Flex. You know, if you're if you're on um, the the Adobe platforms, you know, if you're doing some Flash development there as well, or maybe um, some Cold Fusion stuff, or you know, all all these different, there's lots of different IDEs based on top of the um, Eclipse base. So. We provide um, the same experience you have in Visual Studio in terms of being able to check code out, check code in, do work items, view reports, all that sort of thing. We provide that same experience, but to people who are in Eclipse-based IDE, and that really opens, you know, a huge platform of people. Because let's face it, in most shops as well, most people are developing on. Um, you know, Windows workstations, but using different IDEs, using Visual Studio and Eclipse and that sort of thing.
3: So if if I'm understanding this correctly, Martin, I'm able to write work items in the team foundation system and have Java guys pick these up and start implementing them?
2: Yeah, completely. And you see you can write that work item in Visual Studio. You can, you know, commit it into the TFS. The guy over on the Java side can pick up the work item from his list, implement it, check it in in Eclipse. When he does that, you know, that automatically links the change sets back together. You could fire that back up in Visual Studio and look at the work item history, see the changes they've made, see the change set, double-click on it, and boom. You've got the Java code, you know, viewable inside of Visual Studio that the guy did on his Eclipse IDE. I mean, and he does, his, his Eclipse IDE he could have been doing that on the Mac or a Linux box. It doesn't matter. Everything stored in TFS.
1: Is the work item an XML blob then?
2: Um, I, I just wish it was that easy. <laughs> Sadly, not. It's um, the work. The way work items are stored, they're stored, you know, in the server in kind of a, a highly optimized uh, manner. In you know, in, in like a, a, a proper database. But Team Foundation Server exposes all of its um, interfaces via a set of SOAP web services. So we talk web services to you know to the to the server.
1: So in a roundabout way, it is an XML blob.
2: <laughs> it is an XML blob. Yeah, well, yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's actually highly um, it's highly condensed because you know XML um, can be quite verbose mm. at times. You know, yeah, you get a that. lot of bytes that are just the metadata. Yeah. Well, the team are very um, stringent in optimising that bandwidth. So, it, Team Foundation Server from the get-go was designed to work very well over wide area networks, um, you know, in a distributed environment. And so, it, it goes goes down to the SOAP level. You know, those SOAP packets are highly optimized and, and definitely not human readable. And you know, it's, it's all good fun. Oh, good fun! <laughs> Keeps me busy. It's why they call it work. Oh.
1: So, it isn't just a uh, a PC thing. It's SOAP. So, you could have a Mac client. It would be very easy for. For anybody who can implement a SOAP message to interface with TFS, are there adapters that are available for, for these different platforms?
2: So, how it's recommended to run is if you're, um, is to use the Microsoft API, the .NET API, you know, which which kind of fronts the web services on the on the on the Microsoft platform. And that's how if anyone out there you know in, in uh, regular user land wants to extend team foundation server, then they should definitely be using the dot net api because even though it's web web services it's um let us take a source you know a source control operation you know like say get latest you would think mate, i just call i just call a server you know and and just call and just do get latest on the server say but actually what it's doing is um you know it has to f- talk to the server, download that. you know, find out what the latest version is. It then has to open up um, a different connection, download that file. And again, that's done in like a highly optimized way. So it will download it as a GZIP compressed file. If the file is smaller when GZIP compressed and if it wasn't, and you know, the client has to take into that account. And then it has to tell the server that you've got that version. So it sends back another message. So that and that's just, you know, that's actually a simplified version than it is. It's even further optimized because there's all sorts of things that go in to make sure that you maximize the download bandwidth and blah, blah, blah. So the trick is to use the .NET API, or in our world, we we wrote a Java. We work very closely with Microsoft to write a Java SDK that also spoke, you know, the web service language and used the same kind of optimizations to, to, to download traffic and things. And, yeah. If you're looking, the web services are very tempting, as is the database, because, you know, Team Foundation server stores everything in the SQL Server database. But trust me, from somebody who uses the web services every day of his life, you really don't want to go there if you can avoid it. (laughs) It's a lot easier just to use the .NET API.
3: Okay. Well, and didn't Microsoft build, like, a web client for TFS for entering bugs and things?
2: Yeah, so they have um, web access, which is t- um, currently it's um, a power tool. So you download the power tool, and then you can um, use web access to edit work items from you know different web browsers and things. And again, they tested that, so that runs on Firefox and Safari and all those sorts of good things. So um, you can edit the work items directly. And if you're an end user, you know, like a business user or something, you can just go to the internal website and edit a work item. So like a, a work item's a bug, you know, or, or a, a feature or a task. You can edit those just using a web browser. You don't need anything installed.
3: Yeah, because it used to be you needed to have a, a, a license to team system to even be able to enter a bug.
2: Well, you, you do and you don't. To en- just to enter a bug, um, if you're inside the organisation, and I don't want to go down the li- licensing rat hole again because we could be here all day, but there is actually True. a um, as part of a 2008 license. That's one of the things they listen to, and anyone inside the organisation can add bugs um, and track changes to their bugs. But if you want to get a list of bugs raised by everybody, then you need a, a Team Foundation Server client license. So it's slightly complicated but um I was going to say with this web access stuff it's great for doing you know for doing onesie Z bugs and for editing you know things like that But you can't beat that integrated experience, you know, inside Visual Studio or Eclipse where if you're a developer and you're working on a bit of code, you can associate a check-in with, you know, this work item. And you can see those work items inside the IDE. And if you double-click on a piece of code inside of that work item, then it opens that code inside your IDE. You know what I mean? That that integrated experience is is definitely uh, beneficial rather than just going straight to the web client for coders.
3: Well, and therein lies the key functionality, I think, of Team System more than anything else, is his ability to interrelate lines of code with requested tasks.
2: Exactly. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of TFS. You know what I mean? It's not just a source code system and it's not just a work item tracking system. It's the fact that these two things are together in the one place And because it's using the same data store, you know, it's storing source code and work item tracking in the same database. You've only got one thing to back up. So, you know, that helps with uh, stuff. You've only got one integration point. And Microsoft did a really clever thing in that they used the power of SQL Server reporting services, one of your favorite topics, Richard. And, you know, they built a data warehouse on top of this and an OLAP cube on top of that warehouse. So you can mine facts about your, your behavior once you start doing everything in Team Foundation Server when you start checking in and doing work items and association you can mine all that information which is very cool and the fact that it's integrated inside again inside the IDE right where the developer's living it just makes it easy for developers you know Developers are like, I, I've been, I live in uh, Northern Ireland, you know, and I, I do a lot of ditch digging to try and keep my, uh, keep my lane clear. And, and <laughs> it occurred to me one day when I was digging this particular ditch that developers are like water running down the hill. They always, always take the easiest path to get to the goal, the, mo- the most direct path to get to the goal, which is shipping software. And so if, if you want to make the process, your software process that you want to follow, you want to make that the easiest path for the developer to get stuff done. Um, and having work items really tightly integrated with source control means that it's very easy to just click on a work item, you know, and associate it with check-ins. And that then means, and I've seen this in every organization I've worked in so far, you know, you've got processes and they normally just sit in a manual, you know, and people just pay lip service to them. But once this process is like a, it's a a tangible thing, you know, it's on the computer and developers can understand, understand computer programs. And by putting the process into Team Foundation Server, you're making this process come alive to a developer as a tangible thing that they can improve. And so you start getting the developers like requesting work items. You know, I need a bug to associate this check-in with, because that's our process. And in your meetings, when you review, people are actually saying, "If only we had this if, if only the process behaved this way, then it would be a lot better." you know And, and they're, they're expressing their changes in terms of how we change the computer program we interact with, but what actually they're describing to you is how you change your process to be better, and so you're continually improving your process. Um, And that's
3: just, you know, that's all goodness. Yeah, well, in the end, if I have to add an extra step to sort of relate a work item to code, I just won't do it. I end up with a bunch of unrelated code. But isn't there also an enforcement mechanism in team systems so that you could sort of lay rules down on the code so it can't be checked in until it complies?
2: Yeah, there's a thing called um, check-in policies. They actually presented us quite an interesting problem, which we'll go into. But check-in policies um, are a piece of code which run on the client, which can enforce stuff. So one of the check-in policies which comes out of the box is um, enforce that when I check in code, I have a work item associated
3: with right. it. Right.
2: Another one is enforce when I check in code that I don't have any errors. You know, I don't have any compile errors, for example. Um, and, in, the, in you know, in, in Microsoft's release, when they first shipped Team Foundation Server, these check-in policies were there. The bits of code that run are a piece of .NET code.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking, now, how does that work with Java code when it gets <laughs> yeah. checked
2: in? Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, you know, we've got lots of people which say, well, why don't you just fire up Mono, you know what I mean, and, and you know, and, and do that. And, do you, wait well, a minute,
1: did you just say... Just fire up Mono.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. People do say that to me in all seriousness, and uh, you know, and, and it's fine, and you know, Mono works great. But apart from the fact of having like two, you know, virtual machines running under each other on side one process, you know, when I've already got memory things to constrain me, you know, I really I don't want to go there. But it, oh, man. The, the the code that they write, you know, this code that you write on a on a Microsoft on a .Net checking policy, that code can talk to any .NET libraries, and it will probably talk to the Team System API, and it will talk to Visual Studios APIs, you know what I mean, and it will do all this sort of stuff. So we obviously couldn't just run .NET policies inside Eclipse on a Solaris machine, you know. It just wasn't going to happen. So what we um, did was we implemented um, a check-in policy framework in Java. So if you want the Java guys to also use a check-in policy, then you know you need to install these um, the check-in policies that we provide, and we also provide you know an SDK so people can write their own check-in policies in, in Java, um, and that's been working well for people. One of the, our advantages is that we actually, because we we can um, you know see the Microsoft product. Um, after it's in like a it's a beta two phase, and so we can we can we work on our interoperability story. Um, really, after Microsoft have locked in their features, you know, and they're just looking at bugs and things, we can look at it and say, well, what what parts have they missed that they couldn't ship that we can you know go in and just add a little bit of value to? Right. So, for example, for checking policies, they, um, we shipped a few additional checking policies in. As part of t- as part of team Price, as part of the cross-platform client that don't come with Visual Studio, a classic example is the make sure somebody associates a comment with a check-in. Believe it or okay. not, that policy huh. isn't in the default Team Foundation Server install, um, but it is for hours for our Java guys, and that saves our customers having to write that Java one. You know what I mean? Whereas they they have to deploy a .NET one, and Microsoft now ship one as a power tool, but at first it didn't.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, without whose support this show surely would not exist. You know, summer is peaking and our friends at Telerik are working full steam. They've just released a Q2 volume of the Telerik Premium Collection for .NET, which is their biggest release yet. Packed with new things, it'll surely excite anyone who has anything to do with .NET development. Let's start with Silverlight and the introduction of the first commercial 3D chart on the market. It is developed as True Vector 3D, which guarantees swift performance and rich capabilities like rotation, animations, etc. Another major announcement is the Telerik Silverlight Scheduler, which is packed with tons of features, even in the first version. Telerik's flagship, RAD Controls for ASP.NET Ajax, grows not only with four new controls, but also with new productivity tools. Take the new Visual Style Builder an online application that allows you to visually modify skins or design new ones with point and click. And if that's not enough, they've added a completely new product, a free testing framework powered by Art of Test for automating Ajax and Silverlight-rich Internet applications. Since I'm short on time here, I can't enumerate all the new features and enhancements in the Telerik Reporting, Open Access ORM, and their Windows Forms products, so I'll leave it for you to check them out at Telerik.com. And don't forget to say thank you for supporting .NET Rocks. How, how hard is it to, to migrate an existing build or maybe a build tree from some Java tool into team build?
2: Um, so it depends how you want to do it. Um, a lot of people are frightened of their builds. You know what I mean? A lot of people's build systems can be a bit fragile for them. Um, And when they first come into Team Foundation server, they probably come in because they've got some pain, you know, in terms of, like, source control or work item tracking. They're the two places, you know, where TFS definitely does excel. Um, They've got a bit of pain, but they've probably got, hopefully, got some sort of automated build system. You know, they're not just pressing F6 in Visual Studio or not just copy-pasting something in Java world. They've hopefully got some sort of automation. So an initial, like, phase... um, uh, for is just getting it to be built at all. And in the Java area, building is commonly done using a couple of things. Um, Ant, which is, um, uh, you know, an XML-based build language, like a bit like Build or Nant, you know, it's the original. XML-based build language, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then also in Java, there's a thing called Maven 2, which is, um, I kind of think of it more like, a you know, the Ruby on Rails version of build languages. Hmm. It's like builds by convention. You, a build usually has a compile, a test, and a deploy step. Yeah. So um, let's assume that they're there. And if if you want to customize them, this is how you customize them, you know, by configuration sort of thing. So um, rather than Ant, which is just an XML programming language that you read backwards, you know, uh, yeah, Maven. Anyway, there are two ways of building things. And so um, we provide, um, if you go to the com site slash build, we actually provide... Um, ant integration uh to you know so you can call team foundation server from ant and we also do a similar thing from maven so you can just hook your existing build processes into them you know and, and they're just they're you know open source so you can just download those and, and go for them um also people people have like build servers you know like cruise control uh, right. cruisecontrol.net hudson is another build server that people sometimes use And again, you might just want those existing build servers to talk to Team Foundation Server. In which case, um, I actually uh, um, provided, contributed to both the Cruise Control and the Cruise .NET projects. I contributed um, integrations to Team Foundation Server to them. So if you download the latest version of either of those servers, you can already talk to TFS. Um, And then Hudson, again, I worked with one of the guys there, and um, the Hudson team put Team Foundation Server access into their build server. So... If you don't want to touch things, then you can just, you know, point your build server, existing build infrastructure, at TFS and the source control, and just use that and, and be happy. You know, and and everything's as bad as it was before. You know what I mean? It, it, right. it, you are at the functionality there before. But Microsoft ship a Team Build server, you know, a build server as part of the Team Foundation Server um, suite, and. If you use their build server, then for free you get a bunch of integration features. Um, When you do a build, it reports the fact that a build's been done back into Team Foundation Server's warehouse. Um, And so what we also provide free of charge, again, is um, you can go to the Team Project site and download Is build integration so that you can run Ant, or even now we just shipped this uh, last week, um, Maven 2-based builds. That team build uses, you know, team build calls an Ant or a Maven to build. Does the build all on the the Windows box? You know, builds all the Java stuff and and deploys the, you know the j 2 e things or whatever you need to do.
1: Now, this is the team Prize Client Suite we're talking about.
2: No, well, this is like a build extension. So the Team we'll talk about in Client Suite, but this okay. is just a, a thing that we provide for free that you can just run. You know, you can just install onto your build server. So okay. even if you're not a TeamPrize customer, you can just install this thing onto your build server, and then it can run Java builds.
1: Okay, so that's a free yeah. utility, but we we should talk a little bit about what you guys offer, because you yeah. are in the unique position, a uh, fairly unique position, of offering tools for Team Foundation Server, which you don't see a whole lot of out there. So no, tell us about... Um,
2: Yes, we provide this. um, We provide an Eclipse integration to Team Foundation Server, um, and we provide um, a graphical uh, client to Team Foundation Server. You know, say if you're on a um, a Mac um, system and you wanted your graphic designers, you know, to check stuff in to TFS. Um, then you can just run this nice graphical thing and they can check stuff in and check stuff out without needing to be in an IDE, uh, which is good because, you know, that okay. IDEs just scare them. And then we also provide like a command line client, which again is you know really useful for guys who don't have a graphical interface. <laughs> the guy's talking from a Solaris box or from some Linux box somewhere deep in a data center, even, you know, a mainframe, I guess, and they want to talk back to TFS and, you know, they don't have a graphical interface, so they need the command line to do stuff or build You know, you want to script a a scenario. And that command line, um, it implements the same command. Microsoft have a command line as well, and we we implement those same commands. So if you've got a script which runs on a Windows box, then it'll run on on a Linux box or whatever. It's very easy to port.
1: You also have something on your homepage called the Remote Accelerator. What's that all about?
2: So um, Team Foundation Server... um, has this, It's quite an advanced thing, but it has um, uh, it supports uh, proxy servers. You know, its own form of proxy server, a version control proxy, which you can put out in a remote office. So, say if um, the first guy that comes in, you know, in the morning, does a get latest, um, and he downloads all that source code onto his machine. Um, the second guy that comes in in the morning does a get latest. Well, without a proxy server, he's got to download that same source to his machine. You know, over that wide area network. But Microsoft's proxy server, you can install in a remote office, and it will mean that the second person to do a get latest um, just you know, gets that code that the first person got, if you see what I mean. So they only have to download it over the local network. They don't have to download it all the way over the WAN. Okay. That remote accelerator thing that we we do that 's actually a product that we did just for ourselves internally mainly, because we you know, it was a tool we use a lot and then we um showed it to a few people and we're like oh that 's cool so we, we we sell it now but it's um it allows them to run a proxy server on their own machine um, and it 's a bit it 's a bit cleverer than Microsofts because it actually um it'll It'll go and poll the server, and periodically, say every ten minutes, it'll go to the server and say, "Has there been any changes since I last checked?" And if there has, it downloads them to your machine in the background. Mm. And then next, you know, when you next say, "Can I have a latest code, please?" It just goes, and it's just there already. You know, it pre-gets the code for you, which is quite good. You know, helps with remote, especially if you're running over a low bandwidth line. It really helps there.
1: That uh, that brings us back to the the scalability issue. Mm of uh, TFS 2008. This is a SQL Server based product so, yeah. and uh, uh, on the server itself, is it ASP based?
2: Yes, yeah, so it's um, it, there's two parts. There's um, an ASP net kind of front end, you know, which runs a bunch of ASMX uh, web services. Right. And then that backs off onto a SQL Server 2008 data store and a surprising amount of their logic's actually done, you know, down at the Sprock level. Nice. Um, as some stat, I think they've got like, you know, hundreds of thousands of lines of, you know, T-SQL code. You know what I mean? Awesome. It's amazing the stuff they do, do down, right down at the data tier where it's most efficient. And they send only the data they need to up the wire and up to the application tier and then over the wire to the client. So um, that's roughly the, the architecture of TFS.
1: Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. Do you can you use uh if you've got like large sets of work items and a lot of data, can you use compression just like you can use in a regular HTTP session turn compression on?
2: Definitely. Well, it, yeah, and that's one of the things about this API, you know the, the, the .net API around all this stuff. Um it just it just does all that for you automatically. Nice. So, um it gzip compresses everything. It shrinks the messages down. It does crazy things like um it uses ntlm authentication you know windows integrated authentication to talk to the web services and uh you know richard probably knows as well. when you do ntlm that's actually like a three-way handshake yeah so you you do the blah blah blah, it does the request it back back and forth and it's uh, believe it or not that it involves like a three-way message between the client and the machine and the smarts inside of, of both the.NET and our Java API are such that if you're going to send a big message and it's going to need to authenticate with the server because it doesn't already have a connection, it'll actually send a smaller message first. That's just a little hello, you know. Um, yep. It'll then authenticate using the small message and then, and then finally send your big message once it's got a connection so it doesn't have to keep sending this big message back and forth. So it's, and, and it does things like when you're downloading files, it'll open up eight threads and authenticate them and then share those eight connections, you know, and download eight files at the same time. It's uh, pretty intense, all the magic that we do to, to optimize stuff.
1: So speaking as an integrator with Visual Studio Team System and, and Team Foundation Server, uh, what kind of challenges did you have to overcome when, when snuggling up to that?
2: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why Microsoft like has partnered with us cuz um you know, we've got a history of like in, in the source control space but also in the interop space and um when you're building web services as you know you know you can build web services uh, in .net and you can build web services that are interoperable there's yeah. a lot of things you can do that that make life hard um, and particularly areas that make life hard usually come in around things like dates and you know things that can be nullable in one language and not in another and enumerations and just stuff like that so um they were very careful about bringing us in early and getting us to do early proof of concepts against their web services just to uncover any little issues like that where we had problems but we still had some issues around um authentication for example you know uh ntlm is a proprietary microsoft protocol you know and right. there aren't there aren't any um open source libraries that talk the, the ntlm version 2 which is the you know the version that they use so we had to um implement those sorts of things implement our own ntlm handshakes in java which is good fun you know messing around with bytes and things down at that level. And also, um, recently we've just done like Kerberos authentication. So if you're already yeah. on a Linux box or a Mac box inside of inside of an organization and you still want that that integrated experience. You know, you don't want people to have to type a user ID and password in. Then you can do that now using Kerberos. And to do that we actually do some magic and like pop out to the, you know, we use what's called JNI in Java. It's um, you know how in C sharp you can I forget the uh, P invoke. You know you can you can right. pop out to like do native calls. Right. You can do a similar thing in Java and it's called JNI. And so we, we actually call to the native libraries on the different operating systems to, to do some of that authentication magic.
1: We so. see Java native interface.
2: Yeah, exactly. Spot on.
1: Yeah, that was a good guess. <laughs> I didn't even have to Google that one. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even have to Windows Live that one.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Anyway. Mm. And that that gives us some fun, because obviously as soon as we've introduced some some native code, we obviously have to compile that native code on all all the different platforms that we support, which keeps us busy. Didn't you get MVP of the year for Team (laughs) team team System? (laughs) That's a Team System thing, so I'm not... MVP of the year. Well, no, I, don't, no, know. No, just I for... don't know, do other MVP categories have an MVP of the year? Uh, it's only the I first don't... one I know about. Jeez, so. I don't know. I don't yeah. So i Team System MVP of the year, which is quite nice. I got that last week as well, which I was quite surprised about. So, um, yeah, that was quite an honor. It was actually voted for uh, by the other MVPs. You start a product group thing.
3: Oh,
1: wow.
2: So... Early on, like the back end of last year, you know, we were asked to suggest people. And I suggested somebody, not myself, I hasten to add. But the person (laughs) I suggested, um, you know, became a Microsoft employee. So I guess he was taking out the running for me. So uh, that was good. And Uh, I got to win the prize. So I got a shiny uh, bling MVP belt buckle. (laughs) You
1: also did a session at TechEd, right?
2: I'm doing, yeah, doing a session at TechEd this year. Oh, this year. um, I did one at EMEA the other year. uh, But this one... um, I'm doing one on programming the Team Build API, so and and how to program that. But it's um, I don't know if you, I did a, a thing called Brian the Build Bunny. Have you heard about this? No. Oh, okay. So uh, one weekend, as you do, I um, uh, hooked up a robotic rabbit to Team Foundation Server and videoed it and put this video on YouTube, and it went crazy because <laughs> you know. ALM is not the most interesting a topic. I don't know. You've been having a few chats with ALM people recently. It's, it can be quite dry sometimes. And um, right. this video's had like eight thousand hits. And um, and then I submitted the video for um, you know PDC. They had a show off competition um, where you could just submit something cool you'd done in .NET or you know any Microsoft technology. So I submitted this Brian the Build Bunny, which is um, it's just it's an off the shelf toy um, from a company called Nabaztag. Um, and Naba's tag, the, this it's a rabbit with funny ears. Um, and it, um, uh, if you go to shrinkster.com, fifteen sixteen, you can see the video. Um, and basically, it's this rabbit with funny ears, and um, they provide a rest- based API so you can you know you can send messages uh, like a web service message but a rest message to their server um, and tell your rabbit to do stuff and it includes things like speech. <laughs> So, yeah, I so love the ears Every time people do a check-in, it says, you know, Martin has checked in the code
3: That <laughs> yeah. is
1: awesome
2: And then when when the build fails, its little ears go all sad They're all down and it's all sad and unhappy And then when, it's, when it's the build's successful, its ears are up in the air and all happy and perky <laughs> <laughs> He even does like a bit of semaphore So if, if like the unit tests have failed, but the code compiled Then one of its ears is up and one of its ears is down Yeah, I see that, that's great yeah, yeah, it was good fun. So and uh, people have been loving that, which is yeah, uh, it's amazing though. You know, you can. So I'm, I actually got that build bunny, Brian the build bunny, to do to use at a session um, at TechEd and Mia a couple of years ago. I was going to use him then, but at the time the Nabastag servers weren't particularly reliable, and you know. TechEd's stressful enough when you're doing a session and you don't want, you know, a demo completely failing. So um, I decided not to use him Um, and then, yeah, still did the code and had to play with that. And then over the years, had to play with it a bit more and then finally put this video up. And it's just amazing the amount of people that have watched it. They also
1: were in some sort of contest at PDC?
2: Yeah, that's this show-off competition. So um, because I I submit this video to PDC and then... um, There's also a a competition at Mix09, if you go to shrinkster.com slash 151e, Echo, E for Echo, Echo for E, whichever way around. Um, Microsoft do these at all the big competitions now, and you can basically submit something cool you've done. So if you've been hooking up your Wiimote to your build server or whatever you've been up to lately, um, you you do a video of that, submit it, and then the, the attendees get to vote on the things that are cool um and i might like brian the build bunny which is like this plastic robot rabbit um you know and it's funny i'll grant you but um that was up against somebody who'd hooked up a metric bajillion widescreen tvs in a 3d configuration to virtual earth when you could move around with all gesture based tracking oh, and brian the build bunny won <laughs> Wow. <the> <laughs> i think you know... it was purely because the video was uh, you know slightly entertaining so, uh, whereas he'd done it a bit more dry, but his was far more technically advanced than mine was. Um, well, I, I got $500. I got, like, a prepaid Visa card with $500 on it from Microsoft. Wow. Nice. So that, that paid for my Christmas presents for my kids. So, yeah. yeah, excellent. Thank you, Microsoft. That was really good. So, I, I would encourage anyone, if they see these show-off competitions, and, you know, everyone's, you, like, you. you know, you guys always do little play toy projects, you know that you just like laugh about to your friends, but don't really just video it and send it off to his competition. Yeah, and you might, you I might have, win one in mind.
1: Books. I have one in mind right now, actually.
2: There you go. Get it submitted straight away.
1: Hey, uh, what's next for you at team prize anyway, what's next for your products?
2: So um we're currently um I mean there's the next version of TFS coming out um in a you know in a while which we're busy working against busy working with Microsoft against. And then um there's um we've had a lot of people asking us about um mainframe integration. Hmm. So you know they have got these Java guys and they've got these Perl guys and all the Linux people they they're all well served now but the net, you know there's always one more thing. Um and the one more thing currently on the list is the, the mainframe people the mainframe developers. So, um, yeah, it's the mainframe client for Team Foundation Server working on, which keeps us busy, because that doesn't even have a hierarchical file system. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. If you think the challenges of, of just dealing with it from a Mac are hard enough, try doing it from a, a file system that doesn't understand the concept of folders. It's, it's <laughs> now, yeah. do you
1: consider an AS400 a mainframe?
2: Um, no. I, I'm talking ZOS here. So, the big you ones. know, a big, a big boy, A big boy mainframe. Yeah, that was uh, it's pretty good. So we've currently got it working, actually. Um, there's like nowadays, the, the modern mainframes, you know, the Z systems, um, they're, they've got like a Unix personality as well as the old MVS personality. I used to have like a, when I first started programming, when I was doing it professionally, it was during all like the pre, you know, year 2000 work. There was a lot of that going around. And so when I was trying to get a job as a, a new graduate, I, you know, I picked up a load of white UK work on these mainframes, so I quickly removed mainframe from my CV (laughs) after it got into the cool Java and Dot Network. but sadly it's come back to haunt me.
1: Speaking of cool and AS400s, did I ever tell you the story about uh, this guy who used to work on the floor up here, Bob Peterson? No. He took an old AS400 and turned it into a fridge. (laughs) He he kept his beer, you know.
2: Did he keep the blinky lights? Oh,
1: yeah, blinky lights and everything. (sighs) Brilliant. Basically, what he did is he took the guts off, you know, the, the cooler off of the back of a, you know, like a little, yeah. little college dorm room fridge, stuffed that onto the back, and then insulated the inside and, and insulated the door. And uh, there you go.
2: <laughs> we should build one of those in our office. <laughs> <laughs> we have people come around and look yeah. in our computer room. They're always impressed, you know, because we have all these crazy computers. Pull out a beer.
1: Hey, you guys want a beer? And open up the AS400, pull out a beer. <laughs> you know.
2: All these 400s are good for. Yeah, That's terrible.
3: (laughs) You're just setting it in the role it should be in.
2: Exactly. How
1: did you get started
3: with Eric Sink, anyway?
2: Yeah, so Eric's, you know, my boss. uh, Team Prize is a division of of Source Gear, which you guys know well, you know, know and love. And so, um, (laughs) it's funny. I I was, well, I I do both Java and C-sharp work, you know, and normally when you're doing a job, it's either one or the other. And so, um, I, I was doing a, a C-sharp gig, um, for, you know, big company and a traditional, you know, a, what I call real software development. So, you know, enterprise work or proper work, you know, proper business work. And whenever I'm doing a, a, something on one language and one technology area, I like to have a little hobby project over in, you know, in the other space just to keep my skills up to date and things and just to play. And so, um... TFS came out, and this was back in the day. This was like before 2005 came out. So, you know, I was playing with 2005 in the .NET space. I was like, "Wow, it'd be really cool to have a client for Eclipse." And so, oh, you know, I'll do that naively, thinking it's web services. It can't be that hard. Um, and just you know, started work on that, and I got to a point where I just about like, realise how much work I'd, you know, oh, this is just too much, you know. It's really interesting problem space, but this is just too much work. There's no way I can do this in my spare time. Um, and then team, um, Eric happened to announce on his blog because you know I read his blog he's a, he's a funny guy and a you know, very uh, influential guy on, on my thinking of software development and I read on his blog that he was you know starting a company to work on this exact problem um, but he wanted people to go live in Champaign, Illinois you know, in America and I'm based in the UK so I thought ah oh, that's interesting but you know he wants people to move to Champaign I can't move for family So, but I really really wanted to do the job and then one night I was just, I was just, you know, it's one of those nights where you just lie lying awake in the middle of the night. Oh, I really want to do that job, but I can't. I really can't. So I just got up and I sent him an email and I said, "Hey Eric, you know, um, I'd really like to do this job, but I just, you know, I can't move. I can't move to Illinois. In fact, I can't move to America, sort of thing. But here's my, here's my resume. Here's what I'm interested in. You know, call me back if you're interested. Fully expecting him to say, "Oh, thanks, but no thanks." But it, it turns out that the number of people um, in 2005 who knew about both Eclipse and c development and TFS was, was quite limited. So, um, yeah, he offered me a job, and uh, I work for those guys. I'm based out of, you know, home in Northern Ireland, which is home now, and just uh, work for them remotely. So it's good fun. Wow. Ideal job.
1: Well, we've had Eric on before, you know, talking about different things.
2: Yeah. Heck, we've had him on together. Yeah, I was on together with him about continuous integration a while ago, I think.
1: Yeah, that's right. You were on our first show together. That's right.
2: He's a, he's a good guy. Very witty. He's, uh, you know, very dry sense of humor. He's a great guy to work for as well because he just makes, he believes in making work fun So um, and, and making work a good, good environment to be. So, you know, great company to work for.
1: Well, we're just about down to the uh, end of the show. Uh, is there anything last minute that you want to talk about? Anything we missed in... Uh, in your experience?
2: Um, it's, as well, I want to say about this build, you know, the build integration stuff. Um, Team Foundation Server isn't just, you know, isn't just for .NET network, you can use it for everything. And if you do a, a Java-based build, um, you can actually, you can publish the results of the unit tests as well back into TFS. Oh, nee. and so now you've got this, you know, it really completes this feedback loop of your builds. And it'll even, um, it'll even like update the work item and mark that work item as uh, resolved, you know, resolved in build, such and such. And so you've, you've got this completed loop of requirements all the way down to checking in code, all the way to the build, and then loop back again into this build was fixed in blah. And, you know, it's just a really compelling, well-integrated story that's... um it's just good for everybody. So, no, give it a try and, and, you know, let us know what you think if you've got people um, in your company doing, you know, who, who haven't seen the light yet and they're working on other other systems other than .NET, and uh, they can still be part of the bigger team.
1: All right, well, thank you very much, Martin.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll see you guys at TechEd, I guess.
1: Yeah, we'll see you there. And we'll see you, dear listener, next time on .NET Rocks.